morning, good evening, and good afternoon. It is time for Fuent Chat with Johnny Fuent, and I'm your host, Johnny Fuent, and we have a fantastic episode talking to y'all. It has been a busy week, especially if you guys are Star Wars fans. I mean, my God, the amount of trailers we've gotten and the some of the trailers we have yet to receive is definitely going to be a busy two weeks. But anyway, we're going to be talking about what was released last week comics tv shows or movie wise so let's go ahead and get started on today's episode we're gonna kick things off with comic news let's see what we got in the comic realm ah yes shadow war now i don't know if any of you guys have been taking a look at the recent issue of shadow war but it has gotten very interesting it was the fight with Talia Al Ghul and Slade Wilson, known as Deathstroke. Now, they ended up fighting, especially since Slade found out that Talia Al Ghul, and especially her father, Ra's al Ghul, had a clone of him and Talia, making him an unofficial son. So they fought upon that. Slade had the upper hand. And ended up catching him off guard, killing him. Now, it seemed that it would be weird for her to do that because Slade is much faster, much more stronger, and much more deadlier than Talia. Especially since he's gone head-to-head with Batman and has won on several occasions. But, of course, with Talia being trained by Raish, I'm not sure if... That helps, but anyway, he is apparently dead now. But, of course, this is comics. Slade has been killed at least eight or nine times, and because he has a healing factor, he never stays dead. So, (laughs) I don't know, man. I think this will show him dead in one issue, and show him alive in the next, since we still have about two more issues of Shadow War. Now, one of the biggest reveals we ended up getting was the reveal of the fake Deathstroke, the one that killed Ra's al Ghul, and not only that, but been behind this entire plot to get both Deathstroke and Talia to kill each other. And I'm not going to lie, this thing was uh, definitely out of left field. For any of you guys who are speculating me, I had my money on Prometheus, but it seemed like the comic book writers had other plans. And I'm not going to lie, this was actually a pretty good reveal, and the reasoning behind it made sense. Now, the person who was revealed to be behind this was Geoforce, of all people. And like I said, this actually made some sense, and a surprising one at that. Because for those of you who are not familiar with this hero-turned-villain... I honestly was never heard of him before the show Young Justice introduced me to him, but because he had a connection to someone on the Teen Titans, it kind of makes sense. So his country, Markovia, fell and was taken over by the League of Shadows, which both Talia and Raz are ahead of which makes sense on why he wants revenge on them. But he wants revenge on Deathstroke because his sister was Terra, the person in, if you paid attention to the Teen Titans TV show, or 
read the comics was the person who was the double agent, the one who betrayed them to Deathstroke during their comic run. And like I said before, this actually makes some sense because of the reasoning why they would want to, well, well, more Geoforce would want revenge on both of them. And like I said, it came out of left field for me and I loved it. It just shows that they can still have a great reveal, build something up, and it makes sense. I loved it. I will say this, though. It definitely will be interesting to see how this person, who was a hero at one point, trained under Batman, turned villain. Now, for those of you who don't know who Geoforce is, I'm going to go into a little bit of explanation. Now, Geoforce and Terra were royalty. And were technically a prince and princess of Markovia, which was a country. Of course, I'm not sure if Markovia actually exists, but it's probably a fictional country. And there was a queue and their father was killed. Now, his real name is Brion, and he ended up getting powers from a doctor through experimentation. He went to America and went under the name Geoforce and actually joined the original Outsiders group. Now, like I said before, it's interesting because he was a hero. He worked under Batman. He worked through a lot of the big events that were world-ending that needed all the heroes. And him taking the role of a villain will be interesting. And to talk about his powers, similarly to Terra, his powers were of Earth. So he can manipulate the Earth's gravity to a point he can shoot lava of course he has the other stuff that Tara really didn't have he had super strength durability and other stuff that comes so super speed a little bit of that super stamina and all that good stuff and this should be interesting because he now turned villain has to face Batman and this will be much more interesting to know that Geoforce trained under the Dark Knight, so not only does he know his go-to weapons in a sense, but he also knows some of his strategies and can work that against Batman. So it should be interesting to see how Brion slash Geoforce puts out this facade, puts out, hey, this is going to be my big reveal plan since him being the fake Deathstroke was revealed and we still got two more issues it is definitely going to see how this dynamic works and what the aftermath of this will be because for those of you who don't know DC just recently killed the Justice League well I hope you know since I've mentioned it in my previous episodes but yes Batman Bruce Wayne is dead so this of course takes place before I will be very surprised if this takes place after but it's going to be interesting to see how the aftermath bleeds into whatever DC has next and whoever's going to be taking up the mantle again because I really don't think they're going to go with Dick Grayson again because that's already been done it will be very entertaining to see Jason Todd or anybody else for that matter take up the mantle Maybe they'll go with the same thing they did with Future Slate and have Lucius Fox's illegitimate son take the mantle. Like I said, will be interesting to see what happens, but that will take time. And once that's revealed, you'll hear it first at Fuent Chat with Johnny Fuent. Now, moving a little bit away from DC, we're going to jump into Marvel with Amazing Spider-Man Issue 1. 
Now, I'm not going to keep my disappointment down because I don't know what's up with Spider-Man and Marvel because Marvel doesn't seem to know what to do with him because they keep putting Spider-Man down. He is basically ousted at this point in this issue by every team he has been with and everybody he knows. Avengers, Fantastic Four, even his Aunt May. This is not what someone wants to read when reading a Spider-Man comic. I mean, this is the same stuff they keep pulling. They gotta bring him down, keep putting him down, and then just do whatever with the series. I mean, heck, we don't even know what he did. In the issue, he's talking to Johnny Storm. He's talking about how he stole something from the Fantastic Four after the Fantastic Four refused to help him. Honestly, they're making him into a real jerk. And the one thing that's really frustrating is that Zeb Wells, the new writer, seems to be doing or more like undoing everything from the last Spider-Man series. And it doesn't seem to be for the better, especially after Peter and Mary Jane got back together only for them to break up. I mean, seriously, Zeb Wells is making Peter seem like a real jerk with his writing. And I'm also kind of mad that they're not revealing what he stole. And the thing is, is that the only way Spider-Man fans are able to get a proper, a proper Spider-Man series where he's happy and he's moved on is in alternate universes. Heck, they have an ultimate universe Spider-Man and had a series going where him and Mary Jane stuck together, had a daughter who took up the mantle and works together with them. And it's awesome. People were buying it because it was a great read and something we want to see in the main universe but of course marvel doesn't want to do that for some reason and they have other universes where it's similar one thing that took that route was marvel's dark age spider-man and mary jane had their daughter she had spider-man powers because it's something people want to see so it keeps bleeding out to alternate universes which suck because we're like why can't this be the main universe (sighs) honestly i'm not sure if this is a ploy with marvel or anything but i really want decent writing to come back and honestly i don't know if they're doing this to get people to stop reading spider-man because spider-man is still with sony now i don't know if many of you guys know this but sony still owns spider-man movie rights and this smells and kind of reeks of what they tried to pull beforehand so i don't know if many of you were unfamiliar but until recently marvel just got the x-men back through fox or more buying fox and before in the comics they did their best their absolute best to replace the x-men they tried to axe the x-men and replace them with inhumans when fox still owned the movie rights and let me tell you guys They tried their best, but no one was biting. Heck, they made a situation where all the mutants would die, but they couldn't kill them off. They wanted to kill their comic book run off. And I don't know about anybody, but you cannot replace the X-Men. 
And the interesting part is they did this with Fantastic Four. They stopped their run. And then when they got the rights back, voila, they got their comic book run back and everything else. So I don't know if this is going to change if Spider-Man ever goes back to Marvel, but it is something that we don't need from Disney or Marvel Comics. Honestly, one thing I believe they need is an editor who's be able to tell these writers, hey, you can't do this because this previous comic already established this and all that stuff. I think that's what they need. They need an editor or if they have one, they need somebody to pay more attention. Like I said, they tried to pull this stunt before and this one is not going over anybody's heads who is familiar with the whole situation. Anyway, speaking of Marvel, we're going to be going on to talk about the recent Hulk versus Banner issue. Now, I've talked about this issue last and talked about how Tony came in with a new celestial armor, well, more Hulkbuster armor. Now, I don't know if you guys know the joke with this, but it's funny. It's like um, kind of like an inside joke. So whenever... Tony decides to build a new Hulkbuster armor, stronger than before. It breaks. It's destroyed. It, through whatever reasoning, because Hulk got stronger or something malfunctioned. Now, in this new issue, this was a celestial armor. Something big. Something with the power of the gods. But it broke. It got destroyed. How? Well, here's the thing. Thor basically put his hammer on Hulk pinning him down and Tony wanted to come and give his support to Thor and hopefully break up this fight before it got worse but that didn't happen now in the last issue that I believe we talked about in this show is we talked about how Odin was trying to get to Banner trying to stop this fight and basically placed him somewhere else and while of course the hammer was stuck onto the Hulk Well, Thor took the hammer off of Hulk and left Banner out without being in the control room like a Gungam. Now, this means that Hulk is on a rampage without Banner to reel him in. So he's just going to get madder and madder. And this is what we begin to see. He started getting super angry because he was pinned, getting stronger And Gamma radiated from him, destroying the ground he was under. Now, one thing that was interesting is that he shot Gamma lasers from his eyes, piercing Tony's armor. Yes, his celestial armor. And when this happened, Thor tried to get his hammer off of Hulk before he did or did something or imploded. Because that was the only thing making Hulk mad was being pinned down. Now... While he tried to reach for said hammer, Hulk exploded, destroying everything, including Tony's celestial Hulkbuster armor, which was supposed to withstand the might of the Hulk. Now, when Tony got out of his armor because it was destroyed and was talking back to Earth, talking back to whoever was in home base, they said that that explosion was worth 3,000 gamma bombs and because Tony's armor shielded him he didn't or wasn't affected by the radiation but his suit was now inoperable and of course 
Tony is greeted with a new Hulk. A Thor Hulk. Now, I gotta say, this issue is crazy. I have absolutely no idea where this will lead, how it will end, and how Thor, with now the personality of the Hulk, and now the Hulk itself absorbing him, how this will all end. And it's amazing. I honestly am enjoying this comic book run because it is something we want to see. Weird situations out there. Two of the most powerful heroes in Marvel duking it out. I'm excited for the next couple of issues because <laughs> Tony without his armor and everything in this situation definitely screams like a fun adventure. And, of course, after this, Tony will build another Hulk armor and it will be destroyed. Thus is the circle of life continued. Anyway, uh, that's about it for the comic book section of the show. And we're going to move on to TV shows. Now, like I said in the beginning of this episode, I don't know if any of you guys have been paying attention to what Disney and Star Wars has been putting out. But it is a lot. Now, one of the recent things that they have put out is the Andor trailer, and I am super excited to see this show. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the background on this, but this is a prequel to Rogue One. This is going to be showing the dark and grittiness of this rebellion in Star Wars, and I am super excited because that's the one thing I liked about Rogue One. It showed how not everything was a win. Similar to Empire Strikes Back that they were going to lose. And making it a little dark and gritty and a spy thriller definitely makes this a must-see. And one thing I really hope, and I know it's not going to happen, but I really hope they have a scene similar to one of my favorite Star Wars movie scenes. Specifically, Rogue One, and you all know what that is. It is the Vader hallway scene. I know it's not going to happen. I I mean, honestly, I really don't think it's going to happen. But if it does, it's going to be awesome, depending on what the situation is. It doesn't even have to have Vader. I just want an amazing scene like that, especially since Rogue One gave us that. Now, one thing about this, it's going to be 12 episodes. So that should be good. Get us through August to September and probably leak into October. And I have really high expectations of this. And it's going to release on August 31st. Anyway, going off on the Star Wars hype, we also have mention of Mandalorian Season 3 for February of 2023. And this should be interesting because when we last left off with Mando and Grogu, they were heading to Mandalore. Because remember, in the book of Boba Fett, especially the Mandalorian episodes, he needs to go back to Mandalore, go see, I forget what it was, it was the Crips and something along those lines. I honestly don't remember, but to become a Mandalorian again since he removed his helmet. So this should be interesting. And the one thing, the absolute one thing that will make this super interesting is the fact that he is technically the king of Mandalore with the Dark Blade. As they stated in the show, whoever holds the Dark Blade rules 
over Mandalore. So, it is the return of the king. <laughs> Sorry, I had to make a Lord of the Rings joke. Anyway, yes, that is coming in February 2023. There's yet to be a trailer, but it will probably be revealed in the next couple days or the next week. Now, another interesting TV show that has come up is The Skeleton Crew. Not much was really said about this, uh, except for Jude Law being the main person. And I'm really hoping with a title like The Skeleton Crew, it's going to be a show about pirates in the Star Wars universe because there's a lot of them. And we've met some of them in the previous shows, such as the infamous Hondo Onaka, who I really hope is in the show. But besides the title, we really don't know where this takes place. Does it take place post Star Wars uh, prequel series? post Star Wars sequel series or within the original series itself. It should be interesting to see where this takes place and how this all maps out. But until then, we will obviously find out whenever they drop the trailer. Personally, I'm hoping it is during the time of the Rebellion because that would be awesome seeing what the pirates and how they get involved. And it would be awesome to see Hondo because he is one of my favorite Star Wars pirates. Anyway, another thing they revealed was a new Disney Plus show called Willow. Now, I'm not too familiar with this, so I had to ask my dad. And he told me that Willow was a TV No, not a TV show. The new one is a TV show, but was an 80s film. Now, I have not seen the original film, but from the trailer, it does look interesting, and it's from Lucas Films. So, I will definitely have to give the movie a look over and watch it. Of course, my dad wants to watch it with me, and I have no problem with that, so it should be kind of cool. Now, apparently, from what I've seen, they got a whole bunch of the original actors back. Of course, without one, Ray Liotta, who ended up passing. So, it's going to be interesting to see how this show works, and it will be a great way to introduce everybody, including myself, the world of Willow. And that is going to release, I believe they said September or October, whichever, but I will be here watching it and giving you guys my two cents about it. Now, the show we have been looking forward to, The Amazing Obi-Wan. Now, this is going to be, of course, a spoiler-free review. There's not going to be any spoilers on this thing. I'm going to be talking about a spoiler, more eccentric episode next week with the other stuff that I put in the episodes. So what I'm going to be doing is giving you my two cents without revealing anything. But next episode, of course, when I go through talking about what news is up, I'm going to be talking about the spoilers in episode one and two because I want to give people a good week before spoiling anything. All right. Now, on to my spoiler-free review. No spoilers, remember, so you don't have to skip anything. Now, the thing I love about this series was the music. First off, John Williams brilliant. The theme for this show really builds up about the anguish of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I don't know or what to say about John Williams, but like I said before, the man still got it. I'm looking forward to see how he continues to shine with his music. Now, one thing also 
was the fact that the first episode, of course, while a little bit on the boring side, build, world build this entire theme of the show that this was going to be gritty this wasn't going to be a happy adventure and it does do a recap of the previous movies just in case you forgot a thing or two of course i didn't because i'm a huge star wars nerd but anyway when we got to episode two it started picking up especially with who died at the end and i'm not going to say who it was but i wasn't expecting that death because their death wasn't supposed to come until much later unless they were of the same species. But anyway, the one thing I liked about the show that it comes up with nothing with the what we have speculated for years about what Obi-Wan did and what some of the comics has shown us. And honestly, the characters who play Uncle Owen, young Luke is pretty cool. And honestly, I love young Leia is amazing and looking forward to see how they end up coming up with some of her story arc, especially since we know that she knew about Obi-Wan Kenobi. So now we're learning on the how. And the Inquisitors are amazing. The graphics, the visuals are so good on par with the movies. And I'm just glad that Disney is allowing people who love Star Wars and its lore a time to shine because... The past 10 years of that have been really, really bad, with just a few exceptions here and there. But they also give us these shows to fill in the blanks. And who knows, maybe they'll do the same with the sequel series, which they will have to put in a lot of work for people to like. Because the one thing I say about this show, it gives people an appreciation of the prequel series. Of Episode 1, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. So, if you guys haven't seen the first two episodes, definitely would recommend. And I'm really excited to see how Episode 3 will work. Especially since they've already announced this, so this isn't a spoiler. That this is going to build up to another fight between Master and Apprentice. Anyway, moving on from Disney, we're going to be jumping in with Sony and their reveal this past week. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are already aware, but Sony and HBO have been working on a TV show of one of their most successful games, which is The Last of Us. This is not new news. If you guys never heard of it, then yeah, they casted, I forgot his name, but the main dude who plays The Mandalorian as Joel but anyway not new news so we're going to move on to what is they announced that two of their video games are coming to the small screen one of them is Horizon Zero Dawn TV show announcement with Netflix of all people honestly that's what surprised me the most Netflix especially what's been going down who knows maybe those this will give us the jump start that Netflix needs especially with their stock to rise up from the ashes. Anyway, now this is going to be interesting, and I'm curious to see how they're going to implement this. Will they tell the story from the beginning? The story of Aloy, before she was the savior of Meridian, or will this take place after Game 2? Who knows? They haven't really released much, but my guess is it's going to be from the beginning, which should be interesting. And I'm really hoping that they really stick to the source material because the reveals in the game 
are amazing and I'm not going to do or say anything that's going to spoil them if you have yet to play the game but if you guys have played the game you know what reveals I'm talking about and I'm hoping they don't change much because honestly it's a great story and I know they're going to have to tweak some things here and there but I'm just hoping they just make a good show and honestly I know a lot of people bash on Netflix, but they have given us some pretty good adaptations. One of the main adaptations that I don't think anyone is aware is Arcane, League of Legends show. Now, if you have if you want to see a great adaptation from a video game, especially with a story, definitely check that out. But anyway, I have some confidence in Netflix, especially Sony, because one of the things that is an important factor is that Sony has its own studio. So it'd be able to bring some of the funding and I don't think Netflix will be able to exit themselves since of course they're not using a Netflix studio and they're not funding it. So like I said, should be interesting and I hope it is done well. And one thing I also hope is that they hire unknown actors or underrated actors or just give the opportunity for some of the voice cast to play their live action counterparts because some of the actors who play or voice them in the game have done some live action before now like I said it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out and I'm looking forward to it anyway the second tv show that they announced that's an adaptation of one of their best video games is God of War. Now, this is going to be a little more complicated to see how this works. Now, this show is coming to Amazon, and I don't know if this show is going to be a full retelling from the beginning or take place during or before the fourth game. Now, The reason I say that is because if it's a full retelling of the show, it's going to be, it has to be rated R. If you guys have played the previous God of War games before the most recent one back in 18, then you should know that this is going to be bloody and brutal and it's got to be rated R for it to show the same type of energy from the first three games, especially with Kratos, Kratos, unmatched fury and vengeance for his conquest of revenge now like i said before it's going to be interesting because the fourth game takes place years after the first three and is in norse mythology like i previous stated for uh god of war ragnarok now they could take that route they could make it during the fourth game telling that story and kind of hinting of what it was before now if they do do the fourth game it doesn't really need to be rated r because of how less brutal and ugly it was compared to the last games but that wasn't a that wasn't a bad thing honestly they could get away with a pg rating or pg-13 rating for the fourth game now it's going to be interesting like i said before because If this is taking place during the fourth game, that means we're going to see Loki, his son. We're going to be seeing other characters from the fourth game. And if they go the same route, giving hints and visuals of what happened to Kratos in his previous life, it should be interesting. But if they do a full retelling from the beginning, they're going to have to hire a young actor because they're going to be there for a while 
retelling everything Kratos has been through, especially if they want to get to the fourth and soon fifth game as well. But if they do, they have so much working for them and they have so much material to work with as long as they don't mess it up, which I'm really hoping they don't. Anyway, up next in the animated apartment, we have a Plastic Woman TV show that was announced, and I can't wait to say how much I'm not looking forward to that. It's kind of frustrating to see that DC has greenlit a show and gender swapped the hero, and I don't understand the reasoning behind it. There are plenty I mean plenty of female superheroes, especially in DC, that are not only underrated, but haven't never seen the light of day when it comes to TV shows or movies. Or even if they did, it was a short cameo. Heck, they have so many characters that need an opportunity to shine, and they're not giving to them. They would rather gender swap a known hero just because, and it's frustrating. Because all these characters are just thrown back behind the back burner and become unknown. One thing they could have done is instead of gender swapping Plastic Man, they could have made a show about Rocket, Icon, Steel, who is also female, for those of you who don't know, because they're a father-daughter team. They could have made the show about the daughter. Heck, they wouldn't even need to gender swap. They would have still used the same name. Heck, Jessica Drew. Or other Amazonians who have taken up heroic mantles. They could have done it about the female question. Black Canary, Vixen, and these are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to female characters in the DC universe. And I get that they're supposed to make a comedy, and Plastic Man's whole stint is that he's a comedian, but there are other heroes, other heroines that are like that too. Not to that extent, but they could have made it funny. Heck, they they may have missed an opportunity to make an animated series about an underrated female hero and make them break the fourth wall about how they aren't used and have a comedy around that where they try to get noticed and do stuff. And honestly, it would have worked. It would have been funny. Because for those of you who don't know, Guardians of the Galaxy, before their movie, was an unknown team. And when they came out with the movie, now everybody knows who the Guardians is. And they could have done that for a female hero. Like I said, it's frustrating. And I, at this point, I got no idea what Warner Brothers is doing. So we'll see what happens with that. And I'll watch the first episode, but I'm not putting my hopes up. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, on a more positive, dark note, Stranger Things. Now, I'm going to give my review on the first two episodes. And because, of course, I have yet to watch the other ones because I'm watching it with my family. And these episodes are long. They're not 45 minutes. They're over an hour each time. And the finale is supposed to be two and a half hours. This is popcorn stuff, guys, and it's going to be amazing. Now, the first two episodes are brutal, 
and the killings are a lot more brutal this season. And they're definitely going for more of the horror movie trope, especially in the 80s. The main villain kind of gives me Freddy Krueger vibes. And the whole atmosphere definitely bleeds of Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and a hint of Halloween. And things are a lot more disturbing this time around. And a lot of people are probably going to die. Maybe including some of the main cast. Because whoever this big baddie is, he is not holding back. Oh my god, this dude's just design is amazing. Like I said, this is just going full horror movie. And... I'm all for it. I love the 80s horror movies and just seeing them bleed into that more is going to be fun because of course season one was more of the slow building horror season two kind of reminding me of aliens of how there were so many many demigorgons season three kind of build up the horror again kind of slow moving kind of like the thing. This one is just going full frontal with it. With like, like I said before, gives you Freddy Krueger, Friday the 13th, and a bit of Halloween. Where these guys just just killed people. And like I said, a little bit of Freddy Krueger because this guy is targeting his victims. We don't know why. We don't know how. But I'm not going to give much away. Probably until I do a full review after I've seen the series. Or... About four more episodes in. Of course, this is going to be breaking up into Volume 1 and Volume 2. And Volume 2 is supposed to come out in the next couple months or next month. And I'm excited for it. Anyway, the one thing I also want to talk about is how they're tackling bullying. And they did a good job. And it was just brutal to watch. And honestly, who the person who bullied Elle did so. And brought her to her breaking point. And how Elle reacted. Honestly, I kind of agreed with it. Now, maybe you wouldn't. But it definitely shows what someone can do when put their to their breaking point. Especially with bullying. And like I said, I agreed with what she did. Especially since she was put to her breaking point. And it could have been a lot worse with her powers. A lot, lot worse. And I'm interested to see how, if they're implemented back or how she lost them to begin with. Anyway, now one thing I found interesting is how much they enforced about how much the 80s hated Dungeons and Dragons and did everything in their power to blame it for stuff like they do now with video games. Honestly, the whole video game thing is getting annoying. They praise it at one point, especially during the pandemic, about how, oh, video games is a great escape, this and that, how great video games are. And then they just flip the switch and be like, oh, video games are dangerous because they do this and that. It's just honestly, it just shows that people have no idea what they're talking about, especially with harmless games. Honestly, it gets annoying, especially with the politicians. Oh, this okay people don't like video games we're going to talk bad about video games and so far and so forth but video games are not bad i mean of course they can be addicting but they're not bad in the way people blow them up to be anyway enough of that spiel i'm looking forward to the upcoming episodes and where will they lead because oh my god this is building up some of the hype Anyway, moving on from TV shows, we're going to move on to movies. Now, oh my god, if you guys have yet to see Top Gun Maverick, it is amazing. 
I ended up seeing it with my dad who loved the first one and who saw it back in the 80s. Yep, he's that old. <laughs> anyway, uh, it brings you everything you love about the original film and just amplifies it. It accomplishes a rare goal of being better than the original. And that's what I'm saying. It is better than the original Top Gun. And it will put a smile on everyone's face who loved the first one. And even for those who didn't watch the first one, it is a fantastic movie. And it stands well on its own. The scenes in the air are just mind-blowing. And the best part about it is the fact that Tom Cruise refused to come back for this movie unless they used real fighter jets. And it's amazing that he wanted it for a few particular reasons. One, if they were CGI, they would have been a lot more noticeable. Because, of course, CGI fades within time. But because, like the original, they used real fighter jets, this will actually stand the test of time and still look good because it's the real thing. Practical CGI fades. 20 years from now, when you're re-watching some of your old movies, you're going to notice the CGI because CGI gets better with time. With practical effects... It feels more real. It looks better. Look at Jurassic Park, the first one. They used animatronics and CGI, and it still looks good because the actual physical presence was still there. And honestly, that's the one thing I liked about this movie, that in 20 years, 40 years, when you watch the first two movies, or I don't know if they're going to come up with another one, but when you watch Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, you will still see the Jets in all their gloriness because of the fact that they were real and not CGI. And the one thing I loved about this film, especially after my dad told me the story about when everybody saw the first Top Gun movie, everybody jumped and joined the Air Force. And the funny part about that is, is that Top Gun, Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, is in the Navy. And the entire story took place in the Navy. So this time around, the Navy made sure they weren't going to miss the opportunity to get more recruits. They slapped the Navy's logo. Everybody said the Navy, the Navy over and over again. Because they definitely didn't want to make the same mistake as before. And I loved it. Especially with that type of inside information. Anyway, continuing on with this wonderful movie announcements. Um... So, I don't know if any of you guys have heard, but in January of 2022, Winnie the Pooh and the Hundred Acre Wood became public domain, which means anybody who showed up in the original book is now open to public interpretation in movies, TV shows, and etc. Now... Somebody took advantage of this instantly and has announced a horror movie of Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And it's going to be interesting. So the plot is that after Christopher Robin leaves, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet go on a killing spree after eating Eeyore. Now, this isn't going to be animated. This is going to be live action, and from the looks of it, dudes in masks. I don't know if this is going to be CG. I don't know if this is going to be with a studio, but it has already garnered interest. Now, 
as stated before, the original characters are now public domain, but any new characters like the Heffalumps or anything along those lines are not. So we don't know if we're going to see any other people in the Hundred Acre Wood there or anything else. All we know is that it's going to be live action. It's already holding interest and I am and honestly I'm very curious and excited to see where this goes. I am a big Winnie the Pooh fan, and I heard this announcement and I couldn't stop laughing. Ah, the internet. What will you do next? But we'll see where this goes. Hopefully we'll get a trailer and just see how bad or how good this movie will turn out. And I don't know, man. Uh, Having these characters being lovable and turning it into a horror base is just amazing. Curiously amazing. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard. I stated it previously, but Ray Liotta has died. And he passed away with the ripe age of 67. And I honestly enjoyed his films, Goodfellas, Field of Dreams... And it's crazy how 2022 has been up with some of these deaths. And I'm not looking forward to see who's next. Because we got a lot of celebrities who are up there in age. And I am not looking forward to see who's next to pass. Anyway, another movie announcement is the trailer we got for Thor Love and Thunder. Now, the trailer goes in a little more detail than the teaser we got and we finally see Jane Foster and Thor talking to each other with Mjolnir reforged now one thing I'm going to be curious to see is how Jane Foster reforged Mjolnir and one thing I'm super excited about is Christian Bale as Gore the God Killer now I don't know if any of you guys have read the comic series and I'm not going to spoil it by saying it now because it's got to be shown in its full glory whether it be in the comics or in the movie so we'll wait for me to explain all that but his story is tragic as hell and his vengeance to kill the gods is amazing and a little detail because of course it's going to be a little snippet here and there especially when it comes to the synthesis of the movie is he lost his wife and children's and his children because the gods abandoned him so that's all i'm going to say about that but i'm just looking forward to christian bale as the villain because he is one of the few actors who method act in an amazing way and can transform his body I mean, the big short, the mechanic, all of his films are just amazing with him in it. And how he just envelops himself with it. Honestly, I think he is up there with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. But we'll see how this goes. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing Christian Bale. Now, the one thing that's interesting, and I'm already seeing comparisons, is how the other gods look compared to some of their descriptions especially with Zeus now I know a lot of people are already comparing hey Zeus looks different 
than he does in the DC realm. And I got to mention that Zeus still being alive. And if you know anything about North mythology, you would understand why he would be big because after his warrior days, he just became lazy, slept around with everybody. So this is actually a nice depiction of Zeus after his warrior days. And like I said, I can see why they're depicting him as bigger and Honestly, Russell Crowe is an amazing actor and looking forward to see how he does with Zeus. And I, like I said before, I see people already comparing him with DC's Zeus, who's ripped. And they're like, oh, why why did uh, Marvel do this to Zeus? And I'm like, read Norse, not Norse, read Greek mythology and you'll understand. Having Zeus ripped and doing all the stuff he's done, it doesn't make any sense. And... I get people are going to say, oh, but he's a god. And I'm like, well, look at Thor. Dude was a god and he got big. We got big Thor. Dad bought Thor. So, again, we'll see what happens with that. But the one thing I'm more interested about is the fact that with the Greek pantheon being introduced, that we're going to get a hero that has been a part of the Avengers and other teams as well, which is Hercules. Yes, Hercules. And he, in the comics at least, is regarded as one of the strongest heroes and has gone head to head with beings like Hulk, Juggernaut, and others. So it should be interesting to see who plays him, whether it'll be in future MCU films or TV shows. But with the Greek pantheon being introduced, like I said, it's going to be awesome to see Hercules show up. Because, of course, with Jane Foster most likely replacing Thor, it's going to be very cool to see another Greek god come into existence and another god joining the Avengers team. And with any movie or TV shows that has come up, it's going to be fun. And we get to see one of my favorite characters back on the big screen, which is Korg. Oh my god, this is going to be fun seeing Korg and the Guardians. Especially since this takes place before Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Now, we've already confirmed most of the Guardians except Gamora. So it should be interesting to see how this will connect to the next movie. Or should I say the Christmas special. Which will take place in between uh, Thor Love and Thunder and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So I'm definitely looking forward to see how that plays out. Now... One of the films that has been released in images, not in trailer, is Blue Beetle. Now, I am very interested to see this movie, especially with the images. Because, honestly, this is one of the few accurate costumes or suits that look so comic accurate. I mean, the suit just looks like it was ripped out of the pages of the comics. And it looks awesome. And I am very surprised, especially with a DC film, being a little more comic accurate in the realm of their suit. Of course, they'll make changes here and there, but I am excited and I am going to be interested to see where this falls in the DC universe. Will this take place after Flashpoint? Will this take place in the Snyderverse, who knows? Because honestly, DC is still trying to make sense of where they want their DC universe to be. With Flashpoint, it's a nice little reset button. So we'll be interested to see where everything falls in that realm. Anyway, moving on from movies, we're going to go ahead and dive into video games. Now, 
it has been revealed through releases that God of War Ragnarok is releasing this year. And I say this because they've already gotten a rating for 18 and older overseas, which usually means the release window is near. With the summer event they're hosting coming up, we will see what will be announced of releases this year and I'm really hoping it's God of War Ragnarok because I played the first game and I'm super excited to see what the next game holds especially since it's going to be the last time we're going to be in Norse mythology anyway another game I'm looking forward to is The Quarry and I'm looking forward to this because it's one of the games where your decisions change the route and the story depending on what you do And I like these games because they're so much fun and they have so much replayability because of the different choices you can make. And when I play these games, I usually play them with my mom and my sister and I let them make the decisions because it's so much fun seeing other people take the rein and you're just in the background like, I know how to play this game, but I'm going to make you call the shots. And it's the best way to play these games, especially if you have a big family and they give you a way to for them to vote on what the decision will be. And I love it for it. Anyway, the game, the quarry is about camp counselors trying to survive the night while being hunted by bloodthirsty locals and a creature. And I'm really hoping this game turns out better than their other great game until dawn. And like I said, these types of games are fun to play with your family. Uh, A similar game we played with this was Telltale's The Walking Dead, and I can't tell you how many times my mom screamed about someone dying, her decisions leading to something, it is so much fun. Oh my god, and just somebody who's into these types or hasn't played a video game before, this is a great way to introduce them, because they're gonna just have a blast, and you will too. Anyway, another announcement that was released is Modern Warfare 2 with the trailer, and it looks fun. And I'm actually looking forward to this game. This is going to be the first time in about a couple years where I'm really excited for this. Because I loved Modern Warfare. I love the series. It is on par with the Black Ops Black Ops series in my opinion. And Modern Warfare was one of the last few campaigns that I actually finished just because it was fun. And I'm sorry for those of you who like Vanguard, but I didn't get the game because it looked lazily done and it looked like a lazy COD game. I'm all for World War II games, but honestly, COD needs to stop with them at least especially with their thing where they release a new game every year. I'm glad that Microsoft put a stop to that and they're going to release a game every other year, which is something that's going to be nice because it'll build up the hype for the next COD game. And I'm also cautiously excited for Warzone 2, which is going to be a sequel to the Warzone. And I'm hoping that it's going to be the last time they have to release anything for a Battle Royale since none of the skins are transferring into the new game and it's frustrating for those who spent money on the first Warzone. I personally bought both Die Hard and Rambo skins for the Call of Duty Warzone, which I'm able to do, but if they're not going to transfer, what's the point? I mean, look at Fortnite. They're able to transfer all the skins that you have gotten throughout the entire Fortnite run into whatever they release. 
And that's what I appreciate about Fortnite. But we'll see what happens. And I'm excited to see where this goes. And personally, I'm excited to see where the zombies will either be a factor into the new COD game or not. Because Vanguard zombies just really looked dumb and lazy. The last great zombies I enjoyed would actually be from Cold War, because that was so much fun. And, honestly, the last one I enjoyed before that was uh, Black Ops 3, of all games, because they had a campaign around the zombies, and it was fun. Say what you want about Black Ops 3, the zombies uh, campaign was super fun. Anyway, moving on, Fortnite. Now, that is a fun game, and with the recent chapter... Uh, coming to an end it should be interesting what happens now on june 4th it's coming to an end the latest chapter in the fortnite saga it's going to be collision now it's going to be interesting to see where this new chapter takes us because with the upcoming shows upcoming games it honestly can go either way. So like I said, it should be interesting to see where everything goes and what characters may come back or will show up. Or actually, I actually repeated myself. My bad. But anyway, I one thing I'll say, and I've been loving it so far and it's actually got me back into Fortnite, is the no build mode. It is so easy and I am having so much fun and any of you who hated Fortnite and swore that you never go back in, definitely give the no build a try. Super fun and definitely would recommend. And speaking on video games, Sea of Thieves is releasing a new DLC. And honestly, the one thing I'll give Sea of Thieves credit is that it is building upon the game. And every year, it seems to release one or two DLC that changes it. The formats, the gameplay, the monsters, building upon it, giving it new life than what it was when it first released. Now, I played Sea of Thieves when it first released and hasn't really got back in except for a few hops here and there. And it's definitely different from when it first came out. When it first came out, it was very dead, not really anything to do, and you got bored quickly. And the developers turned that into something that is great, releasing new content, adding so much more stuff to the game. And honestly, so far, my favorite expansion has to be the Pirates of the Caribbean showing up and seeing Jack Sparrow again is awesome. Now, go moving away from Sea of Thieves, we're going to be talking about one of the most anticipated games, in my opinion, releasing, which is Jedi Survivor, which is a sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and one of the best games I have ever played. Now, in the sequel, this will take place about five years before, after, actually, the events of the last game. And the Grand Inquisitor will be involved and will most likely be the main antagonist. Now, if we're looking at timelines and where this takes place before New Hope is around the 10-year mark because when it came to the first game, it took place five years after Revenge of the Sith. And this game is taking place five years afterward, which means it takes place around the same time as the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. 
So now we know exactly where we are timeline wise. And when it came or when it comes to uh, the Grand Inquisitor, he technically doesn't die until five years later during Rebel Season 1, which the show takes place about five years before New Hope. So, honestly, it's going to be very curious to see how Cal Kestis survives, how he basically goes through the other Star Wars movies, the original series. And one thing that's going to be interesting is I'm excited to see what this game has in store and i'm hoping they make dlc i'm very curious to see if we're going to see any other star wars characters pop up that weren't a part of the series or any new characters or characters that were introduced in the obi-wan tv show because the one thing i like about this is everything is connected even the video games are canon which means video game characters can show up in the tv shows uh, movies and it would make sense though though I'd need some new background information for those who don't play the video games or see the tv shows but anyway I'm very excited to see where this game goes and I'm hoping it's so much better than the first game and that they release DLC because if you like Dark Souls or Elden Ring this is the game for you heck I played it on I want to say the second most highest difficulty and it was so much fun Especially when facing Vader at the end. Well, okay, maybe not facing him, more running, screaming in terror. Because you fought all these Inquisitors. You batched out the Empire Stormtroopers. And Vader throws you around like a ragdoll. As he should. But anyway, moving on. One of the things I'm excited for especially one of my friends, is the announcement of Knights of the Old Republic 2 coming to the Switch. Now, from what I've been told, because I have actually never played any of the Knights of the Old Republic games, is that the original two games are known to be masterpieces. And it's going to be great for a new generation to experience these games, especially since a reboot or remake is coming out within the next year or so. Of course, this may be announced earlier with Star Wars Celebration still going on, but again, it should be interesting to see how the new Star Wars games make light of the old Star Wars games and whether or not it will be canon. Now, anyway, moving away from video games, we're going to be moving on to current events. Now, first and foremost, I want to go ahead and take a moment of silence for the kids who were tragically killed in the Valdi, Texas shooting. Now, if you don't mind, we're going to go ahead and take a moment of silence. I just hope that prayers and good wishes are sent to the families because this is definitely a tragedy that could have been avoided. And um, that's going to be my two cents on the subject. It, I'm not going to move on any forward with that. Anyway, to other current events. Um, as of right now, Russia and Ukraine are still fighting and it seems like Russia is still picking up some ground. They've already captured a couple of other cities and Ukraine is now accusing Russia of stealing some metal. Whether or not 
Uh, this fight will go on for many more months. It is unknown, but here's my stance. Go Ukraine. They definitely did not deserve to be invaded, and I hope that Russia's punishments will be fit. Anyway, that's about it for current events. Thank you guys for listening to my show. It is awesome. We are on episode 6. Let's go. And as you guys have seen, I have a logo now. I hope you guys like it. Please tell your friends to listen and subscribe. I am on whenever and wherever you hear podcasts on. Goodbye. Good evening and have a blessed one. This has been Fuent Chat with Johnny Fuent signing off.